Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's dubbing our three, four, nine. It is Impact Wrestling Rebellion, but I'm not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by the Ultimate One. How you doing, man? Hey, what's going on? How's everything, man? How's uh, how's the UK? Do you know what? The UK's not looking too bad at the moment. I've been pretty depressing, but we're hoping <laughs> for June to come out of lockdown officially. And at oh the moment, God. things haven't fucked up yet. Uh, how <laughs> how is uh? New York City at this time. Well, New York City looks like everything is open up up here. I mean, they 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 allowing fans into the Yankee Stadium like 33%, people in Madison Square Garden like I think it's 15, 20%. So they opening up. Hey, walking around like everything is cool out here. It's, it's scary right now. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't trust anybody. I'm like, I'm still wearing my mask until you know until they say it's okay. I'm still gonna wear my mask. So yeah, Without a doubt, but like I said, a lot of uh, professional wrestling to watch and enjoy. And of course, today's Impact mm-hmm. Rebellion. Uh, and of course, you've been joining us for a couple of Impact specials that we had. Uh, but there has been some news since then. Of course, they moved to Thursdays. Uh, we've had Eric Young injured. Of course, the main event for the first Thursday was Omega, the Good Brothers versus Max Von and Edwards. We've seen Jasrith uh, Dashwood come number one contender. And of course, an Omega Swan press conference. Um, like I said, a lot's been going down. What have been your thoughts and impact since you've last been on the show? Well, the, um, I like one, the Omega and the uh, Swan situation. The Trey Miguel and Sammy Callahan storyline has been pretty good. The uh, the Jazz and uh, Jordan Grace of storyline with uh, Perazzo, which I think that's she's one of the best women's world champion right now. Uh, uh, pretty much defeating Jazz and retiring her. Those have been the main stuff. I mean, even I think a couple of weeks before, I think a week before that, before the go-home show, they had a beautiful match between TJP and Josh Alexander. And I was like, wow, this is like the second time that I've seen them wrestle. Because the first time, it was like a couple a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. And every time they wrestle each other, man, they they, they break it. They, they It's like... Impact opens up with a good, good match. And I, I always say the X Division is the lifeline of T, uh, Impact or TNA, whatever you want to call it now. And, and it's always been the X Division. But, you know, now the walking weapon and, and TJP putting a classic uh, is amazing. Well, and I think the interesting thing we mentioned there with kind of either be called TNA or Impact Wrestling, and I think the build to this pay-per-view and the kind of the way we've seen it for the past six months or so, even a year, is they've been building to this moment as well. And accept the history of TNA and go, no, we're Impact Wrestling now, but it's something to kind of get behind and enjoy because it has been enjoyable, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they start off good, but the thing that I, and maybe a lot of people won't agree with me, but this is just my, well, what I've been seeing, the, they do too much backstage stuff. I, I think they they could get away from that and, and maybe focus more on the wrestling. Um, you know, even though it's not like WWE, like 15 minutes of it, but I think they could get away from that. I mean, I like the little spots where uh, Scott Demore he'll approach them. Oh, you're gonna get a title shot. That's it. You know what I'm saying? But there's some spots that I'm like, especially that uh, Johnny Swingers Casino, whatever. We could do without that. Yeah, I think without a doubt but obviously yeah. we want to build to Rebellion and the 21st on YouTube we had This Is Rebellion with Mauro Nalo narrating the documentary he will of course call the uh, main event we got a lot of talking heads 
to, to hype the occasion, we had Jim Ross, who uh, passed through the forbidden door uh, to provide analysts for the special. I mean, he seemed positive. On the other hand, Tommy Dreamer's had doubts about egos and politics getting involved. Uh, um, <laughs> and he even said that uh, if Tony Schiavone, I would slap his fat face for the things he oh says my God. on air. And this, it's well, funny. It's funny because I, I, I saw that I saw that um, that preview. I mean that that uh, video package, and I saw it on Sunday. And I'm like, uh, this is one of the reasons I posted uh, that uh, Tony, uh, not Tony, Tommy Dreamer is gonna eat all his words because I mean it's understandable what he's saying about the politics or whatever. But you're gonna talk about you want to slap an announcer because the announcer is you know making he's an AEW guy. He don't he he probably not. He doesn't like the fact that they're probably working with Impact. He feels that AEW is better than Impact. But that's it's all a part of the storyline. You know what I'm saying? you got to have a heel something. You know? Tommy yeah. Dima, I don't know. He could go, go eat a hamburger. <laughs> well, they also explored the relationship between AEW and Impact profiled the personal past of the Megan Swan and offered wrestling analysis heading into the big belt. I did like the music constantly in the background, but good promotional stuff. Oh, it um, was the great. Big- the big question is, though, uh, and, and there's been a bit of heat for this as well, is why has none of this been promoted on Dynamite? Do you see a reason why it is, or do you think they should have mentioned at least something about, because it's such a big title match? Well, you, you know, it's, it's funny that, uh, that you mentioned that, because uh, I did brought it up on my podcast, I believe it was Thursday, where uh, somebody asked Tony, um, Tony Khan why he's not promoting uh, the big match, you know, Rebellion. Uh, his take was that, you know, he uh, he doesn't want to give handouts. In other words, he's not going to promote something that they're going to do all the promotion, but Impact is not going to do their part. And in a way, I agree with him because um, Impact did not promote that uh, show the way they're supposed to. I mean, if you want to be a great promotion, you got to start promoting your stuff. Whether you cross over, let's say if you put two minutes into the WWE USA Network in the United States, and to let everybody look, we're, we're having a show on Sunday. This is the biggest match in wrestling history, whatever. So I feel that what Tony Khan did was pretty much uh, he figured, well, you know what? You, I'll promote it. He did promote it, at, I think, some, the Wednesday, uh, the uh, last week. And it showed it for like two minutes. But he figured, like, look, you got to make the, you got to put in the work. We will. Yeah. yeah you uh, know, you got our pick- champion, but you put in the work. Yeah, I think the thing, I didn't like what uh, Tony Khan said about, oh, well, we promote on theirs, so why should we promote theirs on us? And it's just, especially when it's, you see the NWA relationship, of course, like Thunder Rosa and you kind of the total being mentioned. Of course, all the stuff with Kenta that we had a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what, and it's it's obvious for, for AEW that they class that relationship with New Japan more special than they do, of course, with Impact. And you could argue, of course they do, because of everything involved. But I just think that's maybe something to kind of, you know, when everybody's saying, oh, it's such a great thing, there's still, yeah. obviously, a promotion wants to come out on top or, or yeah, be yeah. the bigger one. So I think there's always going to be something like that, isn't there? You know? Yeah, I, 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 to me, I think Impact has to, if you want to move up in that tier where, you know, you you talked about, you have to promote your stuff. I mean, I think out of this whole thing with the Forbidden Door, uh, Impact has capitalized more for the simple fact that because uh, Finn Juice has the Impact World Tag Team titles and they're showing it in Japan, in, 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 in uh, Japanese events and, and, and TV in Japan. So Impact was smart. They figured, well, we'll give the belts to Finn Juice, let them promote it outside of the United States, 
let people in Japan see, look, oh, Impact, World Tag Team Champions are, are in Japan, you know. So they got to do more. I mean, and, I mean, I don't blame Tony Khan. I mean, I still think that Impact, I think it's the smarter one as far as with this Forbidden Door thing because they're doing more stuff with Japan than AEW. Yeah, I would agree with that. So let's speak about Impact, the go-home show, 22nd of April. We had the Good Brothers uh, defeating uh, Decay, Crazy Steve and Black Taurus. Uh, Carl Anson then gets on a mic and says a message to Finju saying that maybe they did get a bit too comfortable, a little bit too cocky, but they want to thank them for waking them up. Yeah, the only thing that matters in this world is reclaim the tag team championship. Thank you for pouring gasoline on the fire. That is the machine guard Carl Anderson and Rebellion's Magic Killer 1-2-3 and it's just too sweet. This was a great promo and okay match. Uh, I've been wanting to see more of a serious side to the Good Brothers. I, I don't know about you. Is, is what we're seeing from enough or do we need an extra level of aggression? Well, they they got to bring up more aggression. This uh, whole thing of them taking it like, like joking around too much and you know, they didn't take Finju serious because they, feel, they probably figured, well, they're still young boys from Japan, whatever. J- Finju has uh, pretty much, uh, you know, uh, leveled up in the last few years. I mean, you got you to think about it. They're former World Tag League champions. They're former World Tag Team, IWGP Tag Team champions. So they did took it easy, and they thought it was going to be a, 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 you know, easy ride. But these guys, they could wrestle. I mean, they, they, they are good when it comes to teaming up and you could beat on one of them but they're gonna make a comeback and i think i think the good brothers need to stop with this joking around stuff and be more serious when it comes to tag team yeah let's see if they can be successful at the pay-per-view but we see many of the impact wrestling talent get their predictions mm-hmm. on who will win at rebellion between which ron and kenny omega we see susan um versus to dashwood with to dashwood getting the win it was an okay match she says she's happy to get the win she asked Jonah if she saw that the champion gets to the ring you can't forget this face snell says Jonah won't be standing where she is without her because she helped start the women's revolution. Perhaps oh there's no God. words for a challenger and walks away. Maybe in WWE, but I think the knockout's been around a little bit longer. What, uh, what are no, your thoughts? It, 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 <laughs> let me tell you something. When I heard that part when she said, I started a women's revolution, the first person that came into my mind was you. Because I'm like, oh my God, I cannot <laughs> wait to talk to him. I, I had two things to say about this. Because first of all, I didn't know Susan is Sue Young. I never knew that because she looks so different. She doesn't look like she could wrestle. I'm like, wait a minute. I, and, and I figured it out Sunday. And I'm like, wait a minute. What happened to my Sue Young, that crazy chick with the with the paint? And she doesn't look, they lower her tier. Like she's in a lower tier now. I'm like, what the hell? She was a former knockout champion. As far as Anita Dashwood, when she mentioned that she started the women's revolution, I'm like, you didn't start nothing but started to run out the door with Rob, you know, robbing some item, whatever, got yourself in trouble. So I don't know what you talk about that you started a women's revolution because when the women's revolution started, you probably, you was already gone from WWE. So now don't get me wrong, Tennille Dashwood could wrestle whatever, but when she said that, I'm like, who wrote this? Who wrote this, this for her? Yeah, uh, okay, especially okay. with, so, but especially in Impact, where the knockouts division and the way they treated women has been different to what WWE had done for years. So why then pull it onto WWE when you've gone, hang on a minute, that's what we'd be doing. It'd be the equivalent of them going, well, WWE created cruiserweights. Well, no, you, you've had the X division. Like, deal with no. that rather yeah. than getting it back. There's not, you know, and people will say, of course, Paige and Emma for the NXT uh, Women's Championship very first match. Yes, she was a part of it, but Paige would be obviously a much bigger factor in the kind yeah. of women's revolution. And of course, that's a discussion um, for another day. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, to me, it, when all that started, when Paige came up to WWE, 
the women's revolution hasn't even started yet. So, like I said, when Tennille Dashwood came up, the revolution haven't even started yet. When the revolution yeah, started, they, she was gone. So they she, for she was hanging around with she was hanging around with Santino doing the comedy shtick exactly. uh, when she kind of got let go. So this is the kind of thing. Uh, but it's how they change history, I suppose. And we see Brian Myers refuses to be stuck in the past with enough he keeps growing while Matt Cardona is stuck in yesteryear he needs to move on like he has like he has done it all changed the rebellion so we see clearly now who Cardona is someone who's been on his leg for too long he's getting a roster cut of rebellion and with that the eye this was good shit Brian Myers is really impressing me at the moment because of the more serious tone that he's taking and, and, and that goes to show you right that Brian Myers um, his talent was being wasted for so many years in WWE this guy, you you see him wrestling, you'll be like, this is not the same guy that I saw in WWE. This guy had like a, supposedly like a thousand defeats, something like that. That was his gimmick in WWE. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you see him now, you know, and it's it's incredible. Like him and Matt Cardona, both of those guys. Cardona, I mean, uh, I mean, even those guys were former World Tag Team Champion. But if you think about it, Cardona, I think was the one who got probably the most better rub because I mean, he won a, 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 the Intercontinental Title at WrestleMania only to lose the next night. But, yeah. but it goes to show you that these guys are talented. If you give them the opportunity and you have somebody with good creative ideas, these guys are going to show you what they made of. I see Brian Myers. I'm like, this is not the same guy I've been seeing in WWE for years. Part of the edge yeah. heads, part of the thousand losses. And I'm like, nah, he has improved so much. Not that he improved. He probably had it. And it's, you know, remember, when you're in WWE, you wrestled the WWE way. So it's yeah, not, yeah. Uh, it's 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 night and day, and this is you know Brian Myers is the guy who's been around for so long. You know, had the Sami Zayn's debut match in NXT, and you think, why did they waste that uh, for mm-hmm. so long? But uh, mm-hmm. we see Shearer versus Jake something when it's Shearer with a sky high. Nice shout out to Elo. This is a big man match, and then a couple of promos. Sammy Callahan telling Trey he threw always it pride or is he just stupid? Uh, he has a date with a death machine, and then Trey Miguel is talking about talking to one of his friends. What does he have to mm-hmm. prove to himself? Go out there Sunday and show him the passion. And Trey promises he'll be the last man standing. He ain't doing anything for anyone but him. And then we see some excellent training uh, montage of Trey kind of hitting the tire with a sledgehammer and kind of get all the good shit that I like. You know, I, I thought this was really well done by both of them. Well done. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that storyline is, is is pretty good. Um, when it comes to the uh, anything that has to do with last man standing, when it comes to Sammy Callahan, you know you're gonna see violence. I mean, he should be part of that group, violence by design with Eric with Eric Young, because he fits right in there. The guy is sick. I mean, he comes up with crazy stuff. So yeah, I was definitely looking forward to that match between Trey Miguel and Sammy Callahan. And Sammy Callahan. Right. When he's on that mic, he's good at he's good at the promos. Yeah, I've started to become more of a, a kind of fan of him as well, just seeing more and more of his stuff because he's 100% kind of in the character. Uh, and But we see a pissed-off Impact World Champion, Rich Swan made his way to the ring. Uh, and then we see Omega and Don Callis appear via video. Callis said we'll be on Impact every week after Omega wins the company's title. Um, and suddenly the arena darkened and Moose made his way to the ring in his first appearance since losing to Swan at final resolution. He wasn't him he said he showed the champion what pain is really like he said he's bigger stronger and more skilled than omega and the clean had something he didn't when they wrestled three stooges winning to do whatever he wants you better not lose those titles or you'll be paying the ultimate consequences to move to me moose warned swan vowed to retain then pin moose one more time um 
this was good stuff. But was it a bit of a surprise Moose showed up just a week before Rebellion? I, I mean, I think they're going to probably carry on that same um, storyline from a couple of months ago where, you know, I guess, you know, because it's going to come down to Moose saying, well, if it were, I would have been the world champion, I would have lost, never lost to Kenny Omega, you know. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's um, they're probably preparing another storyline with that. But I think it's going to be, there's going to be more to that, and we'll talk about it um, in the uh, on the beginning of the for the pay per view review. But who knows? I mean, I'm so I was surprised because I was wondering like what happened to Moose? He he lost, and you may see him for like three weeks on TV. I'm like, okay, is he going to show up at the pay per view and cause Swan the title the title? You know, that was one of the things I was thinking about, but. Uh, yeah, I guess he shows up, letting him know well, if you lose those belts, there's going to be consequences. I'm looking forward to what those consequences are going to be. Yeah, I think without a doubt. And then we see Kira Hogan versus Jordan Grace with Grace running the, uh, via DQ. Fire and Flavor beat her down, but Rachel Ellery makes her impact down to make the save. The daughter, of course, Paul Ellery, manager of the Road Warriors. She looks like she's Jazzy's pick. Grace, get, Grace gets on the mic and points out the obvious. It is good to see uh, Ellery. What are your thoughts on Rachel Ellery? Uh... Rachel Ellering, I haven't seen much of her work, but uh, she looks like she needs to tone down a little bit. She looks like a little heavy set. Um, um, I don't know. I mean, I got to see more of her, of, you know, her work. I know I saw her in the May Young Classic, and she looked much thinner back then. I don't know what happened. Maybe I know she was in Japan and Shine. So, you know, we'll see what, you know, we'll see what she brings to the table. I mean, it's good that First of all, you need to build up that tag team division if you're going to have knockouts um, champion because, you know, the champions are good as good as they, you know, as the competition. You know, you cannot have, you know, a, a set of tag teams and don't, don't have anybody else, just one. Uh, I think um, Rachel Ellery now being with Jordan Grace, the question is, you know, next, this is the month I think that Jordan Grace contract is up. Uh, Wish. Will she sign and stay with them? The same could be said with uh, uh, Josh Alexander's. We'll see. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. But what I liked about it is the fact that uh, Grace and Jazz won the match against Fire and Flavor to get the opportunity. And because she had a retirement match, she said, look, I've already retired. Let me get a partner. Uh, let me get someone to partner her, which yeah. kind of is better to see because it gives someone else a kind of chance. In the main event, Eric Young with a torn ACL wrestling his third match in these tapings versus Eddie Edwards. Uh, winner Eric Young after the match. Everyone got to fight to end the go-home show to Rebellion. I mean, Young and Edwards had wicked in-ring chemistry resulting in strong matches in nearly every out. And this was another one. Yeah, it's been great build-up. There's no doubt about it. With the impact go-home, the kind of Rebellion and everything else that we've seen. It has been brilliant. Um, of course, we, had, we start off with a paper April 25th. The countdown to Rebellion, all the stuff from Rebellion and Impact that we have seen. Uh, the Rebellion pre-show match was Rosemary and Havoc versus Kimberly and Susan. I tried to watch it, but it skipped from Susan's entrance into the match. So I couldn't really see what was going on. Uh, Navarro's course left, so Havoc needs a friend. I mean, out of five against the two and a quarter, even though I didn't see it. Did you see the, the kickoff match yeah, by any yeah, chance? I, yeah, I, I did. That's, uh, the, the, this is where I found out that Susan is uh, uh, too young. <laughs> And, when I, and then the, the first question that came into my head was, again, and this is, I, I think me and you spoken about this in three times we, we got it together, why is it a Decay character is always opening up a, 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 a page, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, to me, the, the tag team between Havoc and Rosemary 
Uh, I mean, it's, it looked kind of weird because as I look at it, and I'm saying, well, these two women wrestled about two years ago in a crazy match, uh, and now they're teaming up. So my question is, is Havoc part of the decay? Because Havoc right now don't have a partner. So uh, Nirvana left. Uh, the Kimberly, uh, I, I, this match, I, I'll tell you, it was just, uh, wasn't the greatest uh, watching me, especially Susan. That girl is just uh, box central. I, I, I don't know. I, I give this match was like a two to me. So it, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was a god. It was good for, you know, for, uh, I guess, uh, opening show or whatever, uh, the kickoff show for, for what it is, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I feel like- hey, it was all right. It wasn't all right. <laughs> well, like I said, the all the build-up's over. We've had to go home. We've had the YouTube specials, the, the countdown, and everything is ready. I think they've built this show beautifully when you consider they've been building up for maybe two or three months and with the storylines involved. Uh, what was your excitement level for this event and the match you were most looking forward to? Well, one, uh, I was looking forward for the exhibition title match because I knew... Uh, Josh Alexander was there and I was rooting for him to win a belt even though in my mindset I was like well his contract is up in May but when they give him the belt you know he probably stay uh, the violent by design because I knew that Eric Young was hurt I'm like I want to see who they're going to bring in to cover that and the uh, the Sammy Callahan versus Trey Miguel I was looking for and the of course the world title title uh, uh, match between Omega and Swan but you know, so I, you know, I, I was very excited about this. I mean, I, and I don't get that excited for Impact pay-per-view. So, because yeah. I'm like just looking for one. But this, it looked like the build-up, the way they set up the cards. I was like, okay, it should be exciting. It should be something I could sit down and watch. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Like I said, I think the way they built it, all the matches kind of had a, a place on the cards. With the open promos, kind of standard stuff. But it's been hyped beyond belief. We see Rich Swan arriving at the event. Trey Miguel, Alicia Edwards and Willie Mack Matt Striker, Dina Brown on competition ringside and Dave Penzer was of course the ring announcer in Impact Wrestling two decade histories dominated by the Red Hot X Division and that kicked off the pay-per-view and set the tone for the remainder of the show uh, we see the inevitable Ace Austin defending the X Division title against the walking weapon Josh Alexander and TJP in this triple threat we see lightning quick action full of reversals and counters dominated early before Austin saw through the air with a Fosbury flop Wiping his opponent out. The early aerial salt the immediate success of champion salt as Alexander recovered, delivering a side brush and leg sweep and suplex combination that brought all three competitors to the mat. That was nice. You know, when, yeah, he, when he's yeah. going up, you just That's, power. Um, yeah. But none Josh <laughs> Alexander was hitting those German suplex. This guy's like, I mean, his gimmick is a walking weapon. Yeah. But I was just about to say how diverse the three are actually in this matchup because you've got the kind of the veteran so TJP who's been there done that and so technical and then the kind of wrestling machine which is Josh Alexander and then Ace Austin which is just kind of like the the high flyer type it's just it's such a great array of talent in one ring you know yeah yeah it's like it's like if you blink you miss something that's that's, that's yeah. how that, this was this type of match where if you let's say if you look at your notes or you look down you will miss something and then you got to rewind it back because of like what happened you know so it's like you had to focus on this match because you have three great talent that they quit you know and they, they'll you know they'll they'll sell the move whatever and then the other two are wrestling and then next thing you know the, the one who sold the move may come back in and do something crazy so yeah that was the type of match well, 
Well, like I said, none of the three competitors established full control at any point. TJP delivered a man for splash on more than one occasion, only to have the championship aspirations snatched for him. First, by the way, of Alexander Ankelock, and then by the way of interference of Mablin Fulton on behalf of Austin. And, of course, Alexander with the ankle lock as well. Just just sheer power. The second one took the former champion out of the equation, allowing Alexander to deliver divine intervention to the champion and pick up the win and his first singles title with Impact Wrestling. Uh, a bit of surprise wasn't in the ankle lock, but what were your thoughts on this matchup? Well, this, this matchup, I'm telling you, like I said, if you blink, you miss the action because this is just like back and forth. Nobody really had control of the match because, like, again, one guy will sell and then the next guy they'll go at it for like a couple of minutes, both submission moves. Um, I love Josh uh, Alexander's move, that divine intervention. I mean, it, it was great. He hit Austin with it twice. It's the second one he beat him. Uh, but then you can't sleep with TJP because he's quick and, and he'll get you with the octopus. But this this match was, was great, man. And, and what a way to open up the, the show. I mean, you can't act again. The X Division. That division since 2002 has been the lifeline, the all oh, the heart, the heartbeat of Impact slash TNA. So this was a great, great match, a great way to open up on the paper. Yeah, I mean, there was no fucking around to start. This felt like a proper pay-per-view, you know. We see Matt Stryker talking a bit gibberish during it. Oh, God. And we did have a couple... I, it's just, I told you about him, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's funny because at first, before you told me, I'm like, okay... But he sounds, he tries to be educated on everything. I'm like, dude, just shut up and call the match. Like, oh, my God, I can't. Uh, We see Ace uh, calling Hebner to take the card away. Just a little thing, I suppose. But it's funny seeing him do that. He also didn't have one successful defense before losing this championship, which is a bit of a shame. But like I said, I don't know if they felt like they were rushing through the match or just the speed that it just didn't stop for the moment that it started. This was a really fun opener. What are you going to give that out of five? Oh, yeah, I'm giving that a five. Definitely a five. <laughs> that best way to get started off a pay-per-view, it was a five. I think as far as Ace Austin is concerned, uh, and I've been a big advocate on this. I mean, I may sound crazy, but I think Ace Austin will be a, a, a future great world champion. I mean, he has the skills. He has everything. Hey, and nobody can tell me, oh, but he's a, you know, he's a, 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 a junior or ex-division guy. Listen, so was AJ Styles, and he won that belt. So was Chris Saban, he won that belt. So Ace Austin, to me, is, is the future of the company. You know, if Impact is smart, they'll they'll sign that guy for a long term. I think without that, I said all three on show gave a great way to start a pay per view. I'm gonna give that a four out of five uh, to a start four? us off. Oh. A four. It wasn't a five out of five match for oh. me. I thought it was really. Jo- you had the slight botch off the top. You had a couple of other things not happening as well. So. Um, that's what I'm going to say. Uh, poll wise, we asked everybody who would win the polls. TJP only got 7%. Poor bastard. Ace Austin, 34%. Josh Alexander, 59%. Uh, prediction wise, the WNR Dan is back for impact predictions. I whooped him last time round. Uh, mm-hmm. this time he's gone, he's gone for jo- He went for Josh Alexander. I went for Ace Austin. So he's one nil up at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. It's not great. Uh, but we see the Violent by Design faction stood backstage. Eric Young spoke to someone off camera about being his replacement in the match. While Dina, Joe Doreen and Rhino stood by, the replacement wrestler was not shown. And then we see a video package spotlighting the eight-man tag team matchup. Uh, of course, Eric Young was injured with the ACL and did wrestle a couple of them. Uh, we see them coming out and after the entrances, 
we see none other than W. Morrissey, formerly Big Cat of WWE, as the mystery man. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Oh, that that was a shocker because it's funny because my roommate had asked me if I saw the uh, interview he had with Chris Van Fleet uh, and that uh, he looked real good, whatever. So when I saw him, I was like, wow. And he looked great. He was caught up. He looked nothing like the way he was in WWE. Um, and when I saw him part of Violent by Design, I'm like, what? who in the world is going to beat this faction now? Now you got... You got Big Cass in there, or W. Morrison, whatever his name is. And, and, and now you got Joe Doring with that group. I'm like, who's going to beat these guys? You know what I'm saying? Unless they get the uh, Diener and beat them up. But they got two big powerhouses in there. Well, it's, I, I thought for a second Joe Doring's son was coming out, and then I realized it was Big Cass. Uh, mm-hmm. And, of course, a lot of people have also said he looks a bit like Edge as well. But all joking aside, it is a great opportunity uh, we get on to the match in the hills, try to cut the ring off, isolating their opponents to keep them from the partners. It worked momentarily as it worked over Storm, but hot tag to Mac, brought around the Bayface, come back with you into the action, descending into chaos. Morrissey, who was a standout of the match, dominated the opposition. Sabre did with a suplex of Dina that wiped out the rest of the competitors on the floor. That was a really cool spot as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so dangerous to do. Uh, but then we see the former XCW superstar Blitrate Mac with a big boot and finish him off with the East River crossing for the win. And then showing the bitterness and viciousness afterwards, he unloaded with a barrage of punches to the already defeated former X Division champion. What were your thoughts as a hell of a debut? Well, it looked like, it looked like this match was pretty much to introduce uh, formerly Big Cass because this guy dominated most of the match. I mean, I was he kind of had a little trouble picking up Willie Mac to do that. Size, size slam that he does, a New York City slice slam. But he looked it, he looked it good. And, and you mentioned something about that he looks like Edge. Yeah, he does. He does look like a young Edge, but he is kind of. He looked it good. Um, I think, you know, by them adding um, W. Morrison there made the whole rest of the, the opponent group look weak because there was no yeah. way in the world, no way in the world, you had was it Saban, Storm, Mac. And who was the other guy in there? Um, Eddie Edwards. Yeah, Eddie Edwards. I'm like, no, you cannot have them beat Fighting by Design when they got two big dogs in there. Okay, because Doring, Doring hits, and he hits like Stan Hansen. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's not like, go ahead. This is what I was saying. We were talking about Doring last time out, kind of being that kind of cut gem that they found as a monster. And now you chuck in, like you said, you've got two giants and the mm-hmm. world's widest wrestler in Rhino. You know, and it's quite a formidable. It, them on the apron during the match, like the hard camera, you couldn't see into the ring because of how yeah. big those guys are. It, it, um, looked like, it looked, it looked like uh, they were a bunch of little kids wrestling with yeah. these big giants. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like I tell you what, like I did like uh, Eric Young watching on the chair on the yes. entrance way and the kind of his reactions to it as well. And, and I know there's going to be a lot of jokes about Big Cass, but I, I've, I, I, you know, seen obviously his NXT and WWE stuff. This is the best that I have seen him not only oh, yeah. look look physically, but what he did in the ring as well, you know? Yes, yes. He, I mean, even though when he was making his single run in WWE, that's why he got hurt, whatever. I mean, now, if you look the way he, if you look, if you go back to the way he looked before he got injured in WWE, compared to the way he looks now, the guy's caught up. He looked, he looked massive. He looks, he looks intimidating. I don't and if I'm not sure if he did sign with the uh, Impact yet, but we'll find out. I mean, why wouldn't he not sign with Impact? Yeah. But 
He's going to be dumb. Who's going to beat that guy? I mean, it'll be a great match between him and Moose. That'll be a good match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing, isn't it? You know, and the Violent by Design now is building. You know, you've got Dina, you've got Doring, and now you've got, like said, if Morris or Cass joins in, then you've kind of got that group of, well, here's the young guys that we kind of build up as well. So it's a kind of win win situation with Eric Young calling the shots as well. So they've got that mic man, haven't they? You know, the promo guy. But now my question is now my question is now you've got this heel faction, like Fire by Design, which is right now they look real good, right? And with, with Eric Young on the sidelines, still looking like this mad scientist sitting down and watching chaos happen in the ring. Now you got to build a babyface um, uh, faction to go against these guys. Who are they going to be? Please tell me you're not putting Tommy Dreamer right there. Because I'm not, <laughs> it's not going to happen for me. Or, or, or not an RVD, because I think RVD be tired. But, you know, it's always, when it's a faction and hardcore matches, Tommy Dreamer is always involved. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's, I like what they did. They, they made sure that they didn't F up this by allowing the baby face to beat these this group with two giants in them. So it was pretty good. Yeah, I think it was really, really enjoyable. Uh, out of five, I'm going to give that three and three quarters out of five. What are you going to score it? Yeah, about three quarters. Uh, three and three quarters. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a decent match. It was nothing to jump off. I mean, the surprising part was was good in the beginning when you, he showed up. The rest of the match was pretty decent. I think what they did, they changed it around a little bit. They were like, well, we got this guy now. And we're gonna. It's kind of an introduction for 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 big cats or whatever he calls now. Yeah, I mean they might have to change that name, but at this moment in time, yeah, that's what they it said. W. Morrison, <laughs> that's his name. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it just sounds like a supermarket, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> let them work. We'll let them work. Poll wise, yeah, yeah, it's a nice W Morrison bag. Uh, anyway, poll wise, VBD got sixty-two percent predictions. Uh, Dan and myself both went for Saban's team, so one nil still to Dan. And then we move on. We see a career-long friendship gave way to a bitter grudge match. Uh, as Matt Cardona battled the major wrestling figure podcast co-host, uh, former W Tag Team title partner Brian Myers. I was really looking forward to this one, actually. Uh, we see a great video package. Of course, the major brothers explode. I think maybe me more. So, I don't know, because I'm obviously a fan of the, the podcast as well and do collect some wrestling figures uh, that these two guys getting along. Uh, but is it a case of there's a reason for this story and to see it play out? Because we never had a kind of one on one match on the, in the or is it a case of impact doing WWE storyline? Uh, I think I think uh, what they did was good because I, I mean the story. I don't think it's a WWE storyline. It's more of uh, they playing it off, you know. Because remember there was a part where Brian Myers said I was here first. So in other words, it's like oh Matt Cardona is following me, you know, to where I could be successful, you know. So they're making it look like Cardona, you know, is being jealous of Brian Myers because he was there first. Uh, they pretty much told the history of these two, which is good because it gives you a more bigger, a bigger story, so you know where they're coming from. So now it makes it look like Brian Myers is really uh, jealous of Cardona. Same thing could be said about Cardona being Myers because Myers got there first. So it, I mean, it adds up. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think, it, I mean, the match pretty much uh, showed that what the story was all about. I, I mean, I enjoyed the match. Yeah, fact. Onto it. So Myers used Cardona's emotions against him early, earning the upper hand, working him over in the centre of the ring. Cardona dodged a roster cut and delivered what commentator Mike Stryker referred to as a hot mess. 
Uh, and yeah. Otik, our Dennis fiance, Chelsea Green. Uh, Myers kicked out at two and delivered a big spear on the arena floor. Uh, when he hit the spear, I was like, oh, that looked really impressive. And I thought, he's a former edgehead. Of course, he's not going to know how to use a spear, isn't he? <laughs> you know, yeah, like... yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> now, that you mentioned it, now that you mentioned it, yeah, that's right. He, he was part of the edgehead. He did that pretty good. He caught him yeah, real good. No, Really, really good. Uh, Cardano answered with radio silence on the ramp, but hurt himself as his tailbone and lower back collided with a steel back of the ring. Let me say something about that. Why in the hell are you doing a radio silence outside on that real narrow-ass freaking entranceway when you could get hurt? I mean, it makes no sense. Yeah, it's true. And like you said, and the way it's awkward landing as well, it's just not worth the risk. Especially, yeah. like you said, it's not kind of even a proper ramp way, is it? So, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. No, um, we we see back in the ring that Cardona and his knee gave out. Myers feigned oh. concern about his former friend of referee made their way to the ringside area. Well, I think we've spoken about this. I fucking hate when they do the fake injury shit because no, it, don't was, but know. it wasn't it wasn't a fake injury. That, uh, yeah, but it's all... okay, okay. it wasn't a fake injury. No, they said his kneecap went out of place. He landed messed up. But when he landed, that that's not, that was I don't care what anybody tells me. That was not written. He landed messed up. He landed messed well. up. I, like I said, I thought it was partly angle because when they show the replay, I'm going, well, how the fuck am I going to know? Because they do it so <laughs> many times, you know, and they do the injury and you go, I know exactly what's going to fucking happen here. Yeah. And like you said, the, I, I did like the difference of it because Myers, of course, lifted Cardoso's feet, dropping with clothesline, then a roster cut to finish him off. Um, yeah. But again, it was just like, I don't know. Uh, for me, it felt like a very WWE style matchup as opposed to kind of the action in the ring uh, and the kind of thing that we saw. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match? This match was, I think the match was decent. Uh, I like the back and forth stuff. Uh, now, the part of the injury, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I know you, it's, to you, it looks like a WWE thing, but if you look at it, his knees buckle. And then, I don't care what anybody, I had knee injuries. Your knees are not supposed to bend that way. Yeah. Um, what I did like for I mean, I said they're going to probably stop the match or whatever. But I but I guess they did an audible call because he picked him up and hit him with two clotheslines, whatever, the rust that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but see, but think about this now. See, so let's say if it wasn't or it is an injury or not, right? Now you're going to make the story even better because probably he's going to take time off. Uh, Cardinal's probably going to take time off. Plus, remember, he may have to take time off because Chelsea Green uh, may get deported back to her country. Our green card is already probably done. So he may have need to take time out because of that situation, you know. But but look how great it would be for him to come back, make a comeback, and have another match with Brian Myers. I think I have I think I enjoyed the one on one confrontation that they had instead of the taxing when it was Myers and Hernandez against Edwards and Cardona. Because then you know, you you had two other people that not they really don't know their real true storyline behind their friendship. So this match was pretty good. You know, um, I, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I think the finish was pretty good. Uh, but that injury, I mean, according to the last thing I read on his page, he said his uh, kneecap came out of place. And he was able wow. to do But it, it landed, it, he landed messed up. I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. You know? So, but I mean, you got to give him credit. He finished the match. One, one of the things that did make me laugh is Matt Stryker, again, talking gibberish oh through God. the match 
calling uh, and he's going, Matt Cardone has got a problem with Kurt or Kurt Hawkins. And, and I was like, you've just fucking called him Kurt Hawkins, you dickhead. Like, think about what you're saying and then yeah. process it afterwards rather than, you know. And I'll tell you another thing, and this is not a shot of impact at all. I don't know if you noticed, or maybe I just need glasses. But the contrast on the camera angles were quite off-putting sometimes because you kind of had like a clear shot and then you had a kind of, uh, you know, a little bit different every time you go to a different camera. And for yeah. me, it's just, you know, it's just felt a little bit not unprofessional. I, 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 I don't know if it's the, 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 the camera, the people who run the cameras don't know what the hell they're doing. But they, I, I, sometimes it looks bright, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, they got wide shots, and they'll have the wide shots, and they don't have the wide shots. It drives people crazy, you know? Um, but Master Riker is annoying. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it, it's funny. I think I wrote it on my notes, I think, uh, one of the matches. I think it was the first match. And I'm like, the dude is annoying. He just don't stop talking. Like, okay, it's and one thing if you, you talk about the match, you talk about the story now, but now... You go and now you want to explain this big thing. I'm like, dude, just shut up and just call the match. You know? Yeah, I think without a doubt. Uh, Match-wise, uh, out of five, what are you going to give that? I'll give that three and a quarter. Yeah, I think I'm going to give that a three and half because I was looking forward to it. And it wasn't a bad match in the end. Poll-wise, Matt Cardone only got 64% of it. Prediction-wise, Dan went for uh, Matt and I went for Myers, so it's one all with that. We then see Jim Miller interviewed Tony Khan, who's accompanied by Jerry Lynn, Tony Schroni, and Aubrey Edwards. Khan said Edwards was there to referee the championship match. Scott Demore showed up with Brian Hebner. Demore said he was happy to have everyone there, but had the rest of the thing under control. Khan mocked that Brian would never screw anybody. Demore suggested that the two referees in the match, which Khan agreed to. Uh, I guess Tony Schroni's lucky that Tommy Dreamer is not around. Um, what are your thoughts about? <laughs> what are your thoughts about two referees in the main event? Now, here was my biggest fear out of all this. I mean, I knew Aubrey Edwards was going to be the referee. I, I didn't know they were going to do the two referee thing, whatever, till like later on on the paper. I mean, it was it's good because now if one referee gets knocked down, now you get to bring in the next one. The, my worry was okay. If Aubrey Edwards plays plays the role of I call it of hold on one second. If it plays the role of you know screw job Canadian uh the you know Survivor Series screw job, then that's gonna mess up her reputation because the woman right now as a referee she has a lot of, people talk highly about how she works as a referee. So that was like only my my only concern about it. But then I'm like. Do AEW Impact, are they really planning to do something like a screw job where Swan wins or somebody cheats because of AEW? I'm like, you're not going to go and go that route. You're, first of all, AEW already screwed themselves up when they did the explosion mass and it was a dud. Are you going to go that route? That was like my, my main concern about that. But, you know, uh, but it was a good idea to have two referees because if one guy gets knocked down or somebody gets knocked down, she could have came in. I think about that. We'll get on to that main event in a little bit, but up next is the knockouts. Tag Team Championships, Fire and Flavor versus Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering. Jazz came out with them, and it was awesome because, of course, she had a manager's license, which you have to get 
course in the professional wrestling business. Uh, we see the champions dominated early, struggled off displays of power from the challenges and isolating Grace. They beat her down with Spinebuster, uh, creating separation and allowed the tag to Ellerin low. The powerlifts exploded into the ring with running back elbows and a twisting leg drop from the ropes. The action broke down with the alert stills expertly shoving Ellerin into Grace. We had Hogan pinned with a fight spinning to the floor. Actually quite like that uh, break up there. We see a botch follow which nearly killed uh, stills she just came flying out of the ring and you're yes. going what the fuck was that that woman should not be doing no two-face suicidas <laughs> nowhere as big as she is no that didn't work that didn't work for me no it was bad and the champions could not put away their opponents but we see grace neutralizes stills on the floor Ellerin counted a fisherman net breaker and fisherman spine buster for the win and your new knockouts tag team champions of course um rachel ellerin and uh jordan grace uh what were your thoughts on this matchup first of all first of all i was surprised that fire and flavor lost the belts i'm i'm gonna be serious about that and the reason i said that was one when jazz came out and maybe it's me maybe i've been like thinking about this the last couple of weeks when jazz came out to me jazz looked like she's about to turn on jordan grace I don't know if it's me, I don't know, or whatever, but when when, when Jazz was out there, and all of a sudden now she has a manager's, I'm like, oh, wow, you retired, you already got a manager's license? So to me, the, the match is pretty good, exceptionally with, 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 with those blotches. Why is Jordan Grace, as big as she is, flying through the road doing two-place suicide, first of all, and then landing kind of wrong on Tasha Steele, right? Uh, Rachel Ellery, uh, the girl is, is so hyped. I mean, when she starts doing her offense, she's all over the place. She needs to slow it down a little bit and maybe, you know, go with the flow. And I was really, I was really shocked that they won the tag team title. I mean, and maybe other people were like, oh, we knew it was going to happen. And the reason I say that was because to me, Tasha Steele and, and Hogan were the better tag team as far as chemistry and double teaming. I don't yeah. know if you agree with that one, but I found it very surprising. To me, that shows me. If you gave the belts to Jordan Grace, that means you're gonna sign her to stay, because our contract is up next this next month. May uh, uh, make something. Usually, you know, us who will maybe disagree or something like this, but I completely agree with you here. You know, Fire and Flavor are a proper tag team. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. we got to predictions in a minute, you know. Um, and, and I think it's weird to see it given to Ellie and Grace, unless, like I said, there's a reason for it. Interesting attire from Ellering. Looked like she sat on a blue pen or something like that because of the. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. It didn't, it didn't fit. It didn't fit for. And to me, do you know what this felt like too? And you could probably agree with me. Didn't it felt like a WWE thing where they just put two people together and all of a sudden now they tag each other's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's what pissed me off a little bit because obviously we're fire and flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like prediction, prediction was I went fire and flavor because I thought they're not gonna take the titles off them with like a kind of oddball tag team. Mm-hmm. Um, and another, and another thing that annoyed me, Matt Striker, all for the night he's been hyped up and going, oh my god, this is brilliant, and yet the finish happened with the commentators going, oh yeah, it's over. And then afterwards he goes, oh I guess I was caught by surprise. Your new champion will call the fucking match. Rather than <laughs> trying try to get yourself over, you know? Yeah, that's what it is. It's like, I, I felt like Matt Stryker, I guess he probably knew that Moro Ronaldo was going to be like the, the lead commentator for the main event. He was trying to get himself over as like a, a great commentator, and he was just being annoying all night. Like, I, I'm like, dude, pay attention to what you're doing. 
Like, and I and I feel and I feel bad because D'Lo Brown, he's another, he's another. To me, he's a clown too because he just keep following a mass striker, and they both sound like buffoons. I don't know. That's that's just the way I look at it. I think D'Lo's gonna be led down the wrong path if you keep following uh, striker. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Dino should interrupt it. Go, Matt, you've just missed the end of the match, Lay. See, we've got new tag team champions. Um, I'm going to give that a three and a half out of five. What are you going to score it? I'll give that a three and a quarter. I think the match should have been a little better because, and like I said before, Rachel Ellery was all over the place. She would come in the ring and she would just hyper. And sometimes she probably, she'll go for a clothesline and the girl is dropping way before she even touched her. It just caught me up by surprise. I, I, I really thought Fire, Fire and Flair was going to. Retain the belt. I think they have better chemistry. Uh, and I don't know why they took the belts away from them. I mean, they're good. They, 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 that, that, that type of uh, heat from like she, they're a heel team that gets a lot of heat because of the way they are. You know, they got that. Oh, you know, I'm the best, and you can kiss my butt, whatever. That's the type. But you gonna take the belts just because you put a new tag team together? Come on. It didn't did really make sense in that way. Uh, Grace got 67%. Grace team of the poll there. So people thought they were going to do it. Prediction-wise, Dan also went for Grace and Ellery. I went fire and flavor because that's the same issue. I thought they're not going to take the titles off them, but they did. So Dan goes 2-1 up. And then we see a video package setting up the last man standing match. Uh, and, we, you know, I remember speaking to you, I think, on the last, maybe the last pay-per-view or the last special we did, and saying about Trey McGill and Sammy Callahan that it wasn't on hard to kill because that's when the storyline had just started. So, I mean, that is, what, four months ago now that they've been building. It's been a great build, maybe the, one of the best build show. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been, it's been building. I mean, um, but but it's great because if you think about it, remember, the, the Rascals broke up in something like January. They broke up, and then they left. Two of them left to NXT, and he's still behind, and people were wondering where, where he's coming. Then when he came back, uh, and the way they started that, that storyline with him and Sammy Callahan was great because it just shows you, like, it's like Sammy Callahan testing his will. Like, are you passionate about the business and blah, blah, blah. And, I, I mean, it, it's, it's a great way. And then, what, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was? Uh, that was a week before the Go Home show. I mean, he asked to shake it. Uh, uh, actually, he was asking Trent Miguel to, to, to join him to, you know, to show – you know, to see if he really got passion, whatever. And Trey Miguel said, no, I'm not doing it. So, I mean, the whole way they set this up was perfect. I, I, to me, I think it was a perfect storyline to leading to this match. Uh, I think it was great, yeah. And, and the whole point of it was Sammy Callahan, the draw, trying to get Trey Miguel's head, who, you know, wants to break out, like I said, for the Rascals and everything out. The first move was to throw Trey to the outside, off the top, onto the outside and you're thinking right we're, we're in this one straight away there was no fucking around it again we oh, see trey God. launching himself through the ropes for a tope suicida that saw him crash stern and first into the guardrail uh, and, and when you see that car not even five minutes into this and i'm like i'm like how in the world you're doing a tope suicida three minutes into the match and you nearly ate the whole railing the whole set of railings outside i mean he hit that shit hard i was like yeah i was, I was like oh my god like they, i mean this match was oh my god it, it was gruesome it's like these guys were doing stuff that you'd be like you know but then again you gotta expect when this comes to sammy Callahan, you gotta expect that type of of match you know i just didn't but, know they were gonna do that to miguel like that 
this is what I'm saying, and with Sammy as well, getting to know the cats and knowing the kind of depth that he goes, uh, and bringing Miguel into it, we see like unsuccessful high risk manoeuvre by tossing Miguel onto the floor and punishing him with an array of we- weapons. You know, wrench to the teeth, anyone? No. Like, you know, <laughs> where, where you yo, I was like, yo, just when you think Sammy Callahan goes low when it comes to these uh, street fights or whatever, hardcore matches. He grabs a monkey wrench and puts it inside Trey McGill's mouth. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you trying to take the guy's lungs out with that? I'm like, oh my god, it was just, yeah, he they took it to another level. What a doubt. Back in the ring, the former rascal used Callahan's own twisted creativity against him, driving the hill into a pile of chairs. Uh, usually that's the finish, but they're only just getting started yeah. because uh, Callahan tried to beg off, but throw him into driving him back first into the propped up legs of the table uh so yeah the table set and i'm thinking the table set up the wrong way what the fuck are they doing here uh and then i realized what they're, what they're trying and poor dino brown thinking that they impaled a wrestler live on pay-per-view <laughs> yeah. oh my god i mean when, when, when callahan grabbed miguel and slammed him on top of the legs i was like what yeah he these guys were taking it to another. I mean, I gotta give it to Miguel for him to take that type of bump. Because I, at first I was saying to myself, "What the fuck are they trying to do with this table?" But the table didn't break. The 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 yeah. the, the freaking um, two parts of the bottom of the legs like were bended. So now they turn the damn table around and then he uses Trey Miguel to do a body slam on him on the on the damn legs. I'm like, yo, my god, what the hell? I was like, oh, they taking it to another level. I mean, it was crazy. They did, I mean, everything Callahan threw at the baby face, Miguel, now that he survived to continue fighting. We see a pile driver off the second rope, like bouncing off the table. Trey oh, just, yeah. you know, slid out the thing uh, to break the count. You're thinking, that could actually break something. You know, people go, oh, the table didn't break. And you're going, no, that could actually break the fucking neck if you're not careful. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and then the stairs set up on the edge with Sammy pile driver Miguel onto him. You're thinking, there's not a lot else that can be done. And then I think of the amount of last man standing matches that, you know, you and I would have watched and to see the end of this where, you know, the stairs are on him up against the apron, Sammy sitting and think he's going to be counted, you know, getting counted down. You see Miguel uh, coming out from under the apron and then hitting the cutter uh, with Callahan going through the table off the stairs as well. This was a great sequence and a fantastic match. What were your thoughts on this? Well, to me, uh, I wasn't too happy about the ending the way it did because, first of all, you got power drive on top of a damn steel uh, stairs, okay? When he put the stairs, like, on his body and covered them completely, I knew he was going to come under the ring. I'm like, you're not going to sell this? Like, that that's the part I say, you got power drive on the stairs. I remember Danny Bryan got uh, a power drive by Kane or Tombstone. And he was out for weeks. This guy get hit, and he comes on the bottom of the ring, and he does a cutter, and Sammy Callahan don't get up. I'm like, and then I love how the commentator said, oh, because of his sweat, he was able to get up. What? I'm like, <laughs> his sweat? This is what you're coming with, that he couldn't get up because of his sweat? I'm like, no. That's the only part that I think kind of disappointed me, because, yeah, maybe they were trying to push Miguel to win it, but if you, if you, Sammy Callahan is going to make a move like that, that match should have been over. There's no way no one, no one's going to get up from a power driver on a set of steel steps. No way to work. But I, 
I think that's the problem, and I think we see it in Impact, we see it in NXT with yeah. the O'Reilly uh, Cole match, we see it in AEW, of course, with the kind of the barbed match. It's, it's turning into the Wiley Coyote chasing down the road one runner, you know, with a meep meep, and you just <laughs> you just like Acme Acme rocket launcher thrown at a wrestler soon because it's like what else can they do? Uh, but I still thought it was quite a clever ending to this match. The story's been built uh, for months, and I've become a fan of Sammy's characters 100% into it uh, and Trey obviously getting a victory there uh, what are you going to score that out of five uh, I'm going to give that three and three quarters and the reason I'm giving it three three quarters because of the ending it could have been a four if if you're going to make a, a, a finishing move where the guy's not going to get up and the pinfall falls right there and there I would have given it a four but it, it didn't happen I mean like if you're going to do a spot like that Trey Miguel should have never. It's like when you if you watch so many last man standing matches in your in your, your life in wrestling and the other side, you hit the, the spot and now you put the the damn staircase or steps on top of the guy. You know he's gonna come under the ring. So it kind of you already knew uh, the ending. So I give it three three quarters. Well, I'm gonna give it a four and a quarter because I actually quite liked that ending. Um, poll wise, Sammy Callahan got 58% of the votes. Prediction wise, Dan went Sammy. Uh, I went for Trey, so it's two all with predictions at the moment. And then we see GM interview, uh, GM Miller interviewing Impact Unified Champion Rich Swan in the backstage area. Swan said nothing will stop him from proving he's the best. He said everyone talks about how he's the biggest match of his career, but it's also the biggest match of Kenny Omega's career. Swan said they both won championships, but the difference is this match is once the bell rings, one person will take home all the gold swan added they weren't in an aw ring they said an impact pay-per-view and it's his house swan said they make another thing coming if you thought we would take his title in house um i don't know what you thought about the promo uh, itself from rich swan there but it looked like he just wrestled a match uh, <laughs> as opposed to getting ready <laughs> yeah it is it is true though he looked like he just wrestled the match or he wrestled with with with, with, with his thoughts or something because he looked like he was sweating. I'm like, why are you sweating? Like, whoa, I mean, what, what have you been doing? Maybe he was doing push-ups. Maybe, who knows? Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> the best part the best part that made me laugh, though, when he said, I'm the best, when he said that in that promo, I'm the best, I'm like, dude, you're not the best. You, you, you're, going, you're going in there with the, the best bomb machine, and, and it's, it's not going to be good for you. <laughs> No, <laughs> uh, we, we get a video package setting up the Impact Tag Team title match. Of course, New Japan's pro wrestling is Finn Juice, David Finley and Juice Robson return to Impact for a total defense against the men they defeated, the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. Uh, we get an early onslaught by the champions. The challengers slow things down. The Gallows added a cheap pump kick to the face of Finley to seize control. The big man worked Finley over a headlock, driving the air out of him, making it nearly impossible to get to his partner. Finley brought Gallows down with an uppercut from the ropes, dodged Anderson on the rope to a hot tag to Robinson. That quickened the pace of the match and sparked the babyface comeback. Robinson fired up on the hills, leaving centos and cannonballs ahead of a quality near fall and an outside to a nice high five to D'Lo. I think D'Lo thought he was going to get slapped for a second and then realised <laughs> it was a high five. He's like, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh Listen, this this match, this I don't know, maybe it's me, but am I am I seeing something that the Good Brothers might break up? Because during the attempt pin on, I think it was I think they had either Juice or one of those. Oh, you see, Anderson telling Gallows, "Hurry up, do this, hurry up," and you know, like he's telling them, giving him orders of what to do, whatever. He looked frustrated, 
and and they ended up getting pinned. And my thing is, please tell me that Impact is not thinking about splitting up the Good Brothers because nah, that's, what I, 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 that's that's what I that's what I saw. I, I saw like like I said during during that uh, toward the ending of the match. You see uh, Anderson telling uh, Gallows, hurry up, come in the ring. He was outside. It's like the communication went off and whatnot. And, it's, and I'm like, you know, why? And, and I was surprised, to be honest, that Finn Jews actually won. Not because they well, had whatever. Go ahead. Well, we'll get on to that in just a second because we see the champions utilize and diminish and decapitation, even to me to say. They could not put the challenges away. It's up to Doomsday device, but Gallows sent Finley tumbling to the floor, back in the hills, wiped out Robinson. But the resilient charismatic champion kicked out. The good brother set up for Magic Killer, but Finley wiped out and out, allowing Robinson to execute a small package on Gallows to score the win. Another surprise, but I think the way it ended lead the match. But like I said, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, they, I mean, like I said, I, I was surprised that Finn Jews retained because I figured, like, okay, uh, these guys are not going to work in Japan for a couple of a couple of weeks, and they're going to tape or whatever they're going to do. Because I thought I thought the Good Brothers were going to win the belts back. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, being that those belts been in Japan for over a month. So, I mean, you even heard it on on Dilo Brown. Saying, oh, you know, we're we're impact guys. We want those belts back home. And I'm like, okay, the uh, well, what are you talking about? You know, they got. I see the good brothers winning it, but it was, like I said, that's why I said toward the end, uh, when they tried to do the magic killer, like they, Anderson and Gals were not on point. So what's going to be the excuse now that they lost to Finchers again? So, um, but I mean, it's, I guess like I said, like I said earlier in the podcast, I mean, impact is being smart. They're utilizing Finn Juice because now they they keep those belts back in Japan, and people you know probably want to see it back, see what they, what was going on there. Yeah, I mean this is the thing. Brown and Striker reintroduced themselves as the match started because of course it's featured in the NJPW Worlds for any uh, New Japan match that's in America, be it Dynamite, Impact, wherever it is mm-hmm. on. Uh, the the app to kind of watch which is quite cool and the good brothers we thought we're going to see more serious side but you know especially lg a bit goofy with the earring and the kind of the stuff like this i, I know we talk about more serious side um but is this going to lead to a, a rematch between these two teams or do you think they could fin juice maybe lose the impact titles to another team and what team you know i think that's and, a problem and, exa- and, and that's exactly what i was about to say which team was out there Who's gonna Who's gonna beat these guys? Unless I'm just saying, unless unless finding by design decides to put Team Up Doring and and uh, W Morrison and have them as a tag team. You know what I'm saying? Because right now the tag team scene in Impact is not big either. They just lost. I think Reno Scum just uh, finished up uh, Impact. They're not gonna be there anymore. So and then Triple XL. Come on, you gotta be joking or not? Yeah, God. Uh, my. No, and then. I mean, they just uh, the Good Brothers just beat Crazy Steve and Torres um, um, on the Go Home Show. So, I mean, they're probably gonna end up probably having another another match, maybe and maybe another disqualification. But then, what would that won't make no sense? Like, why would you put another disqualification when you couldn't beat the guys twice on a regular match? Yeah, so, I don't know. So it's, it could be up in the air. We don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, no, again, it was a kind of nice surprise because you're thinking, oh, we maybe didn't see that coming you know so uh yeah. I, I thought it was a good match but i don't think it was anything special and i don't know if it's a case of maybe 
two teams not gelling or whatever it was in you know, a 10 minute match wasn't it uh i'll, I'll give it a, a three and a half out of five what are you going to score it yeah i'll give it a three and a half i think their first match was better than this one because i guess the anticipation of having a new japan team wrestling an impact team and then the belts on the line the first time this was more like okay i seen these guys they did pretty much almost the same thing they did in the first match you know, but the difference, like I said, well, what I, I saw was toward the end, Anderson getting frustrated with Gallows because Gallows was not on point with him. So I don't know where they're going with this. I hope that they're not trying to break them up or do something crazy, which will make no sense because they're still part of the whole storyline with Omega. But I, like I said, I was surprised that Finn Jews retained. I think without that, we've talked about the Good Brothers kind of being the biggest superstars or biggest you know, wrestlers on the Impact show as well. So it would be good for them to be kept together. 2% went the Good Brothers on the poll as well. Uh, and prediction-wise, both went for Good Brothers as well. So it's 2 all with that. And then we see Jim Miller stood outside of Kenny Omega's locker room and knocked on the door. Don Callis walked out, said Omega wasn't available because he was preparing for the main event. Callis touted himself as a man who changes the course of history. He said champion versus champion doesn't happen in this industry. We are living history. Callis uh, said Swan will be an orphan in the match because no one in the back will help him. Callis claimed he had a vision of a match when Omega was just 10 years old. He said that he and Omega were poles and everyone will be a part of history. Um Another good promo from Don Callis, really. I mean, there's not that much else could be said. The Invisible Hand. I love that. I love that title, The Invisible Hand. I'm gonna start calling myself The Invisible Podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna use that, The Invisible Podcast. So you yeah, still see it. So make history. So um, how you call it? Um, but you know, Callis is is great on the mic. He is like, I think this whole storyline, I think that, that this whole thing set up the way they're doing it. I mean, Callis when he talks. I mean, even though the, he, he said some crazy stuff on the press conference, but he, he's good at the mic. He can't ask for a better person that, to tell a story the way he does it. Yeah, I think without a doubt. I think we see a video package setting up the Knockouts title match. Of course, the uh, co-main event of the evening, Durano Pratt. So just retired Jazz early in the month. And Tenille Dashwood got an opportunity for justice. Um, but like we talked about, both both great great talents uh in the ring uh before i get on to the match why is diana perrazzo so good for anybody that may be just watching her for the first time because diana perrazzo when first of all i followed diana perrazzo since ring of honor 2014 i think or 2015 and then she went to nxt nxt did not take advantage of her skills and what she brought to the table so now what you the diana perrazzo you've seen right now is that diana perrazzo that uh, I said it this past Sunday on my podcast. She is the right now the best women's world champion right now because when the woman is in that ring, she does when she works a body part, she does it and she does it lovely. Like she will focus on body parts, um, and it's not like she'll start with the arm and then she'll start with the leg and then she'll go with the neck. No, she starts with one body part and work on that throughout the whole match. And that's what makes her good. And like I said. You're only as good as your who you're facing. And right now, there's nobody in Impact that could beat that woman. I don't care who it is, who they bring. She's going to have to go to AEW uh, to wrestle the Sheetas, the Britt Baker, the, uh, the uh, you know, the Thunder Rosas in order for her to uh, level up. Because right now, um, 
the, with this forbidden door, I mean, the door is open. She could go out there and wrestle NWA World Champion Serena Deeves, and that would be a classic. Because those two, Serena Deeves is, is just magic in the I think without a doubt, and we can see it with the talent on the show, but we see early grappling gave way to a moment of sustained advantage for Pretzel for Dashwood rocked the champion with a clothesline and mounted a comeback. Champolo did not allow for separation, holding on tightly to a challenger, delivering a German suplex. When Dashwood did find a moment of separation, she delivered a butterfly suplex into the corner, then added a crossbody for a two count. At ringside, Kimberly wiped out Caleb with a K, ensuring Dashwood's social media manager would not make his presence felt. Back in the ring, Pretzo tried for a fallen headbutt, which looked so. She, I mean, Fratso uh, yeah, is a great, that. great talent, yeah. but she just dropped like a sack of shit. Let's, let's yeah. know that. Yeah. I, I don't know what she was doing there. That, that caught me up. Yeah. Uh, Dashwood managed to roll out the way. The chance then did a bit of spotlight kick, which was on point, uh, and that was it. I thought this is it, but Lee broke up the pin. You know, the Aussie wiped out Lee and Susan on the floor, but fell prey to a rolling exploder. And then Perazzo applied a Fujiwa armbar. Dashwood escaped, but she did not escape from the Queen's Gambit as the Virtuosa successfully retained the title. And then quickly after the match, the Hills beat Dashwood down until Taylor Wide returned to impact and laid out Perazzo's associate standard tool to close out the segment of the show. So what were your thoughts on the match? And, of course, Taylor Wilde coming back for the first time in a decade. Uh, let's go with the match first. The again, I think uh, Diana Perazzo brings the best out of her opponents because I was expecting uh, Tina Dashwood to wrestle the way she's been wrestling the last couple of pay per views that I've seen. You know, uh, very laid back, doing little moves, and, and you know, play to the whatever to anybody who's outside. This match, you saw that Tina Dashwood had to bring her A game in this match, and, and she. By her bringing her A-game, she forced Diana Perrazzo to actually, you know, bring up her level, her game, you know. I, I, again, I don't understand what the hell she was doing going up the top rope and trying to do a headbutt uh, like she's super fly snooker. But <laughs> other than that, other than that, I mean, Tania Dashwood and, and Diana Perrazzo actually brought brought a match that it was very interesting. It wasn't a bad match. Uh, it was it was two good, you know, two good individuals. And like I said, Tania Dashwood brought her A-game because in the beginning, it looked like she was going to do the same shit she does all the time. But, you know, Deanna wasn't having it. Deanna was like, you know, you're going you're gonna to bring your A-game here. And, you know, they, they they delivered. I think they delivered a great match. I just didn't like the interference by Kimberly and, and uh, Susan. Um, but th- these are two heels, you know, that, that you know, who, who are you going to choose? I would have I picked Deanna Perrazzo out of both of them. Now, Taylor Wilde coming back, I said to myself, why? Well, what is she going to do? She's going to be, she's not going to be Deanna Perrazzo. The girl's been, haven't been in, in Empire for 10 years, you know? So, you know, she's going to be the next challenge, and, and Deanna Perrazzo is going to get, you know, I'll be surprised if she beat Deanna. I think Deanna uh, Perrazzo, yeah. I think Deanna Perrazzo is going to go to the next level. I see her in Impact. I mean, in AEW. But the, the thing is, it's nice to see aggression from Tennille and maybe motivation as well, like we talked about. But when you're working against the best woman outside of WWE, then you have to be on, which I think Perazzo, you know, Baker, Rose, all that is great. But I think Perazzo at the moment can be in that, uh, was working kind of different level. It was both for Hill, so it would be nice to see the roles defined as well, whereas Tennille more face, even though it's Caleb with a K or what they're doing with Perazzo. But it's a great match. Can't wait to see a rematch. Nice to see that. Uh, Taylor, but like you said, she's going to be there as cannon fodder for Perazzo. 
Uh, mm-hmm. What are you gonna What are you gonna score out of five? Uh, I give it a three and three quarters. It was a decent. Well, woman's match. Give that. Yeah. yeah, I'm about to say I'm gonna give that a four because uh, I just like both women and it's nice to see Dashwood um, working hard and with you know Pratt so she can do no wrong in my eyes at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Barrasso right now. Like I said, she's the number one women's champion right now. But a lot of people may not agree, especially WWE, you know, universe fans. You know, no, uh, uh, Bianca Belair's the best. Bianca Belair has not shown me anything yet as far as a world champion. She is good. But right now, Diana Perrazzo, right now, she's on another level. Yeah. Well, like I said, let's not get that involved because you've got Kaylee Ray, is the 600-day NXT UK women's champion. So she's not oh, yeah. too bad either. But like yeah, you said, yeah, the, right. the I forgot. Dream. I forgot. Poll wise, Tiona got 59% of the vote. Prediction wise, both went for Tiona, so it's free all. And then we find out Under Siege is announced for May 15th. Steven Seagal better fucking host that. I tell you, if they've not done that, <laughs> they are missing a trick. Um, and see, last see, summer, see, see, you'll see Steven Seagal fat ass with a fucking a Navy suit on talking about Welcome to Under Siege. Welcome to Impact. Now, you can just imagine. Uh, and then, of course, we saw last year um, the build-up for Impact Wrestling Slammiversary, of course, hinting at a vast number of wrestlers have been released for WWE. Well, WWE released uh, a load of wrestlers again. And so the advert for this one, for Slammiversary coming up, which they didn't say the date, had Samoa Joe, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, along with the flags of Mexico and Australia, of course, Iconics, uh, Kalisto, all that released on April 15th. We see quick clips of New Japan's Akada and Naito as well, teasing more of a crossover between Impact and top of Japanese promotion. What did you think of that advert? It's pretty, pretty spot on. Listen, and this is what I'm saying. AEW is not taking advantage of this New Japan stuff. If Impact is running with it, and they do bring anybody, especially Naito and who was the other one? There was Naito and the pimp, the Tokyo pimp, they used to be, uh, I forgot the net tag team name, but they used to be in there back in the days. Uh, so if you bring Samoa Joe, you bring Chelsea Green, you bring Naido, uh, the Tokyo pimp, and, the, and this event, the anniversary, it's not anniversary show, it's going to be off the bombs. I mean, that would be probably better than this pay-per-view they just had. Um, but it will be nice to see Samoa Joe back in, um, in TNA, but I would rather have him go to Japan and wrestle in Japan. New Japan wrestling, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Very interesting. Well, like I said, and I like the way Impact will go. Right, we've got you here at this moment in time. Let us tell you what our next kind of because they also announced um, Double or Nothing as well, and they said, right, these are our next events, and this yeah. is what's good. It, 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 it's no better time to do it, but we've seen all the hype, grandeur, pomp, and circumstance that came to a head in the night's main event as AEW World Champion Kenny Omega battled Impact Wrestling World Champion Rich One in a title versus title. One unified total holder guaranteed by the end of the night. We see the broadcast team uh, set up a video package, and then we see Mauro Ronaldo, who was seated in between Striker and Brown. He said his goosebumps had goosebumps, and he showed him what a fucking professional looks like as well. Uh, we see the, <laughs> we see the entrances for the main event. Mega came out Don Callis, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anson. Rich Storm was accompanied by Eddie Edwards, Willie Mack, David Penzer. Tried to deliver him introductions, but Callis took the mic and read through list of legends and said all insects compared to Omega, Pentridge Juice Swan, Aubrey Edwards held up the AEW Championship and Brian Hebner held up the Impact World Championship and TNA titles. Um, what were your thoughts at this moment? How excited were you for the match? Because is it fair to say, yes, 
the, however good the match could be, the result was a foregone conclusion. Well, I said if Rich Swan win, I was gonna riot. I didn't want Rich Swan winning nothing, okay? Because I, I I always felt that Moose should have been in that match. Um, that was my thought. I mean, I was excited. I was like, wow, I'm part of history because I seen title versus title, world titles in my you know my 51. Well, I will be 51 next month. In my 45 years of watching wrestling, I seen Harley Race versus Ric Flair, Harley Race against Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund versus Ric Flair, and no title ever changed because it was always either a uh, 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 double disqualification or, or, or a one-hour draw or whatever. I was like, I am part of history. I'm like, I still want Omega winning it because in my head, I'm saying they still doing that belt collector storyline, and it better be belt collector storyline. I don't want it to change. I don't want to see Rich Swan winning it because they want to still run that that uh how you call it, that narrative about where he came from omega all day well let's get to it swan sent a message loud and clearly early and often to omega delivered a phoenix splash from the middle rope onto omega on the floor then added some chops about the chest and kicks to the back as a baby face rolled but omega sucker swan in low and went to work established control he spiked swan head first onto the ring apron and added an arrow shoulder for a near fall now on the apron even the commentators weren't sure because obviously Swan does the the handspring, uh, you know. But yeah. I mean, even to even to do that bump with the injury Swan had was incredibly dangerous, wasn't it? You know. Yeah, I'm like when I saw him do that, and I said, then he, like he hit, and then he dropped his head on the canvas, and then he fell. I'm like, what was he trying to do? And I guess um, he probably didn't know that that was gonna happen. But um, you know. Um, how you call it? And um, I'm sorry about that. I got a little phone call at this. Um, so um, you know, I, I didn't know. Was, I didn't know he got, he got hurt. But then when they showed the replay, I was like, wow. It, you know, that's first of all, even to do that bump is dangerous because you, you know, we talk yeah. about you dropping head first. You know, you don't know what you could get a spinal injury, you could get a neck neck injury. You know, a lot of things. So you know, that, that was kind of dangerous. Of it without a doubt, and then we see Omega working the head and neck, showing flashes of arrogance and overconfidence along the way. So, uh, uh, crush and rocked Omega with a back mule kick to the face, and Stanley Frog Splash for two. He had a Frankenstein from the ropes for another close call. The fight headed to the top before both men slipped in a kind of ugly, dangerous back body drop spot. I weren't really sure what they were attempting then. Oh, that, that, I mean, there was a couple of stuff that they did. Um, I think the first one, I don't know what they were trying to do, but. They fell. I think they were trying to do some, some Horukarana stuff, and they fell. They fell a couple of times. The second one was a little, a little crazy. I think Omega was trying to do a one-wing angel from the top rope. Uh, I, I don't know. They, they were, they were trying to make it uh, real wild. The way I'm thinking, uh, the way I'm looking. Yeah, like I said, I mean, Omega fought back, delivered a V-trigger. He looked for the one-winged angel, but Swan escaped. Omega answered a spinning heel kick to the back of the neck. Uh, and then we see Omega attempted another V-trigger and sat Swan up on the top rope for an avalanche one-winged angel. Swan tried to slide out the back with Sunset Fit Powerbomb into, like, another ugly spot. Um, and then the champions exchange strikes for Omega Rock Swan with a snapjack and suplex. He added another as the competition questioned how much Swan's neck could withstand. Swan delivered one cut that stunned Omega, but a second flattened Brian Hebner by accident. Are you fucking again? You knew with a second referee, you knew a ref bump was coming. You just, you just knew it. Like in the in the, in the history of wrestling, like but, any but, time, but, especially but this the is, 
But yeah, but that's why that's why they had the second referee because you knew that shit was coming. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, yeah, Aubrey Edwards had assumed control of the match uh, and then stopped Omega using a chair from ringside. And, you know, commentators going, oh, well done. Uh, Swan then executed the handspring cutter. He delivered a Richard Oka driver but could not keep his opponent down. Swan tried for the Phoenix Splash but missed, landed on his feet. And Swan did this. I mean, I know it's a couple of botches, but the athleticism of Swan when he was landing on his feet uh, in some of the, the exchanges was 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 really really good omega yeah. tried for the one wing angel but swin fought out of it um opted for a german suplex instead and then the j driller for a two and ex- uh, executed consecutive v trigger knees i don't know if matt striker said it or maro Nalo, but i did say oh your fellow canadian won with this very move in the opening matchup and he's trying it again now i quite like that between the I two think, if you know I, what I, mean. I, I, I think i think i think striker might have been striker it's the first thing I liked that he said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Omega, talking at the end, was a mini Woody Mac at ringside. He rocks form with another V-trigger. Swan finally shook off the V-trigger for one more Phoenix Splash attempt. He missed. Omega delivered another V-trigger and put Swan away with the one-winged angel for the win. The new champion celebrated with the titles. Don Callis and the good brothers as Edwards Mac tended to Swan. What were your thoughts on this mega unification main event well i'm gonna be honest with you i was like a mark when omega won the belt i was so happy i was jumping up my daughter looked at me like i was crazy because i was like yes yes he won he won the the match uh once listen i knew once uh how you call it once omega hit that v trigger it was over i mean even though swan got up i think on the first two but when he kept hitting him with when he put the knee pads down and he kept hitting him with a V trigger, and Swamp spit was hanging out of his mouth. I'm like, it's oh, there's no way this guy's gonna come. They did. My biggest concern of this match was the delivery. If they were gonna deliver what w- all the hype that they were advertising for like two or three months, you know. And to be honest, they delivered. This match was pretty good. Uh, I like that Rich Swan was that underdog. He wrestled that way through the whole match. He was that underdog. I got to give him credit because he took two V-triggers and he still was trying to make make comebacks. Uh, yeah, they did little bodges here and there, but I think they were trying to uh, entertain the fans uh, who were watching at home to go crazy, whatever, even though they, they, they were, you know, they were both tired, you know, sweating, whatever. But the match delivered. I mean, this this match was great. Um, and I, and I want to see it again with somebody else. But... You know, Rizwan, you know, he 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 showed what he was made of, but this, ain't nobody, ain't nobody, ain't nobody beating King Omega once you get featured. Yeah, but this is the thing, and and the problem with that is the fact is with Impact they've been building up not even the fact that he's gonna win because they knew he wasn't, but it's like can he kick out of the one winged angel? And he didn't even give him that opportunity because you go, oh, he went, the champion went down, but at least he's like kind of first ever man to get, um, you know, shoulder up. They didn't give him that opportunity. Uh, I was more impressed by Rich Swan in this match than Omega. And I know because he's a kind of baby face, but like you said, you need to feel sorry for a baby face. And I think with Swan, I did. And the kind of the selling that he did. And like I said, towards the end, you're thinking, oh, he's, he's pretty much done here. Should there have been more to get the job done, or do you think that was enough to show that Omega is better than Swan, and it's the case of they need a stronger challenger as opposed to that's all the best that well, Impact have got? 
this is why I I, I, I told you when uh, um, Swan B moves that I don't think I don't think Swan was beat would have been that guy. I think Moose, if you beat Moose, who's a guy who's like almost seven feet, he's doing stuff from the top rope or whatever, and you put him against Omega, he showed you at Hard to Kill that he can hang with Omega. You know what I'm saying? Omega was hitting him with Omega hit him with V triggers and Moose can't can't cut it getting up. I understand what you're saying about about giving an opportunity for Rich Swan to get up for the one wing angel. But I don't think I mean the V triggers alone, I think me personally and him getting him with V trigger, he still was trying to make comebacks. I think that's enough. Because remember, you want you want to protect that one wing angel. You know what I'm saying? Because one wing angel in Omega's career has always been the go-to finish that makes him that who he is right now. If it's what I mean, I understand you want to feel sorry for the for the baby face because he was the baby face in the match. But uh, but if you give him that, if you hit him with a one-wing angel, and then he gets up, and then you gotta hit him with another one-wing angel, then in reality is like okay, then Omega can't be walking around calling himself the best in the business, the bout machine, whatever, because someone got up from your one-wing angel. You know what I'm saying? Not even John Moxley ever got up from the one wing angel. So they're trying to protect that move. You know, that's the way I'm seeing it. And that's exactly, and protecting that move and Omega is more important to them than the kind of the relationship with Impact, which is not a problem, but it's like it's saying, oh, we'll, we'll use that kind of another day. If it is a champion versus champion, two companies' champions going at it, then surely you need to kind of the most that you can get. I'm not talking about a rock and Austin at WrestleMania with finisher, 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 but maybe, maybe say a little bit more, but I, I still think it's a really good matchup. Um, there's no doubt about it. You know, both men really delivered. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to score that a four and three quarters out of five. Uh, what are you going to score it? Let's say, say four and three quarters. Uh, if it wasn't for, I think if it wasn't for those two bots, which I mean, I mean, I saw it, but I hope other trolls and everybody, Ooh! <laughs> um, um, four, three, if, if, if they would have, let me put it this way, they would have executed what they were trying to do in those two spots, it would have been a five. But I think four, three quarters, I mean, and I, you know, I got to give credit to Rich Swan because, like I said, he, he got hit hard with those V triggers. And when Omega hits the V triggers and he's that, uh, that, that uh, strong style wrestler. I give that to to Swamp because he took two shots that I was like I was surprised he got up when I think I think Omega hit him with a V trigger and covered them and he still got up so I gotta give him that much I mean it was a good I mean and like I said it was a good match you can't you can't ask for nothing better than that yeah well uh poll wise Omega got seventy five percent of the vote there predictions uh, are you surprised uh I just it's <laughs> I'm not surprised at that amount, but I'm surprised it's not 95%, to be fair, because anybody that thought Swan would actually have a chance is... Just yeah, but you got, a lot of Omega, you got a lot of Omega haters, too. A lot of people don't like Omega, you know what I'm saying? Like, they complained that they wanted the cleaner Omega from Japan. Now that you got the cleaner Omega, they don't like Omega, so what the hell? With Omega, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a fan of not a fucking like these diehard guys of him the greatest ever to me personally i don't he's not on the level of kurt angle Shawn michaels yet but that's because i've not been uh, accustomed to him compared to everybody else which is which is not an issue you know but it's when you say something people go oh how dare you he's the greatest of all time well no let's no, see no. how it plays out you know yeah, so, I, um, think, I think the best world champion right now 
in wrestling is Walter. Yes, I would not argue with that. Walter, <laughs> <laughs> I would say he's the best right yeah. now. Walter's the best right now because nobody can beat that guy. That guy got some hands no. bigger than, than than a frying pan. He hit you with that. Ask Al Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> I tell you what, Jack Stars when Walter debuted in NXT UK about four years ago the first chop he gave to Jack Stars his chest is still marked by it so that's oh, wow. how strong that's how strong voltage you know what I mean like when you talk about that um, but we talk about impact like I said final scores for that's 4-4 four, four between me and Dan uh, we've just got three things there we've got rating MVP and match Looking at the scores, my match was the main event for three quarters. Your match of the night would be the X Division title match. Uh, yeah, the X Division championship. That match, from start to finish, was the best. I think was the best match of the whole card, and 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 that was just the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I think if the Swan, the Swan and Omega match would have been a little better, it would have been probably fireball better if they were able to execute what they were trying to do, but. Yeah. But the Alexander, the exhibition match, that was like, like I said, if you blink, you miss. I've been right out. Um, the MVP of the night for me, looking through the card, I've got to say Rich Swan because he was in an, a lose-lose situation kind of thing of where no one really gave him a chance. But I don't think there's any moments in that match I thought, oh, he's got this. But it's just the story of him giving everything. He's got to be my MVP of the night. I think that I'm going to agree with you with that because, like I said, for a guy, I don't know how many V-triggers he got. I think about six, seven he took. And he still was there fighting. I mean, I could, Josh Alexander, I could go with him also. But Rich Swan, I mean, like I said, he took about six, seven V-triggers. I don't think anybody that I've been following Omega since 20, what, 2014, I think I've been following Omega. So it's been like seven years. I, don't see, I haven't seen anybody take as much of uh, V-Triggers like Swan did and still was trying to be, you know, still trying to be Omega. So, yeah. uh, probably I'll Okada. Right down. Uh, maybe, maybe Okada, maybe, <laughs> but no. But I think Swan um, MVP. Yeah, without a doubt. So Swan's our MVP. We've got our match tonight, so it's just finally a rating out of 10 for yourself. Uh, ooh, I, I get the whole card. Would be, yeah. I give it, a, uh, I give it a, a 9. I like the whole freaking card. I'm, 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 I'm finding people gonna be like, "What? You crazy?" I give it a nine. They put this card together and they delivered. There was none. There was no match in there that got me bored or nothing. They were all interesting matches, you know. Um, I mean, you can't pull off the kickoff show because the kickoff show—that's a kickoff show. We're talking about the yeah, thing. That, that, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say for me eight and a half, only because with that much hype. I, I want to see one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. And I don't think I came away from Rebellion going, that is, you know what I mean? That is, a, oh my God. I came out of WrestleMania, uh, especially night two, how bad it was going, what a main event that was. I didn't get the feeling of that. I got excited about what's to come for Impact, but it wasn't that show. And like you said, the tag team title matchup with Finjuice just felt kind of there a little bit. Um, you know, but but I guess because you probably was expecting something different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was expecting something different, a title change. I think the only thing with them was, like I said, their first match was better than the second one. I mean, they, they did the almost 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 the same thing in the in the second match that they did the first. But, you know, it's just, 
I think as far as the, the, the tag team title, it was just the fact that Finn Juice retained. I, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Same thing with the fire, uh, the fire and flavor, Jordan Grace and Ellery. I mean, I think if you put how many matches were there, like six, seven? I think from I, one to seven, eight. That that the women's tag team match, uh, I think they they just did that one because you know they just put a new tag team together. You know, they did some WWE shit there. So I think that was to me that was probably the I will rank up out of the eight matches that would be number eight for me. You know, I just. Yeah, I think the, my, my reasoning is is that um, knockouts total last match. I mean, there's four matches there that got over four, and the other ones kind of really didn't. So I think, yeah, you know, half the matches kind of exceeded expect, expectations. Maybe the other half was just kind of like standard yeah. stuff. But I mean, for Impact, though, I mean, you know, we're comparing this to Di- uh, to AEW and WWE stuff. But for Impact, is it the best show that they've had this year for the stuff that we've watched? Oh, uh, for this year, yeah. yeah. Well, say, yeah. yeah, yeah, because uh, Hard to Kill, Hard to Kill wasn't all that. I think the the six man tag was pretty good. Uh, then they had what well, I've seen Sacrifice, the uh, that was alright. Uh, but it's it's just the way they started the show. Like you didn't have like the last um, the last three um, Impact reviews that we done. They always opened it up with the K. You know that was like my biggest. Before. This time they opened up with an X division match that that I gave it a five because they started off correctly, you know. And, and if, if I if and I put it together, if I compare it to last year's rebellion, last year's rebellion was garbage, you know. And probably because it was the the beginning of the pandemic, so it was everything was different. Uh, but this year is like, you know. Uh, it was it was it was great. I mean, I like the way they started everything. I mean, this is the best pay per view they had so far um, this year. I, I think, uh, but never never know. They could. It may be number two at the slant anniversary. Well, and that is the next time I know you'll definitely be with us uh, oh, yeah, for that the anniversary show coming yeah. up. Uh, WNR will be back with Impact calls under siege uh, next month. But that is it. For yeah. today, don't forget our follow of the week is Moonfire Lark. We're across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. Do you want to uh, show off, uh, plug your stuff quickly? Oh, uh, yeah. You can, for guys, you can find me in uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I'm also uh, the Power TV 4. They have the streaming stuff there. They got my YouTube channel, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. You can check it out for free. So check that out. Without doubt, the Dublin Owls on Facebook and Instagram, across all Google platforms, send us an email at dublinopodcast at gmail.com, YouTube, Dublin Podcast, we have all the latest clips of podcasts at the same time, and YouTube is the new SoundCloud on your phone, also Spotify and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode will be May 4th. It's a seven year anniversary show for the Dublin Podcast. Mm. Um, and of course, uh, you will be featured on that one, sir. And I was just thinking now, we've got AEW coming up, we've got Blood and Guts coming up, haven't we? I think on the 5th of May. Yeah, yes, or I think that's coming up there. Yeah, um, uh, do you want do you want to maybe on the May twelfth cover the one episode of Dynamite and the Well, I, we could do it uh, sometime during that week. Oh, we could do it that weekend. That same yeah, week. But, okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it'll be released May twelfth. So if we meet up beforehand, do the weekend yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. get it done for people because they do love us doing the AEW show together. But until then, I have been James Rowlands and I was joined by the ultimate one. Uh, And thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye.